From KGW News, this is Straight Talk with Laurel Porter. Hello and welcome to Straight Talk. I'm Laurel Porter. This week on Straight Talk, we turn our attention to Oregon's May 19th primary and the statewide race for Secretary of State. Oregon has no lieutenant governor, so it's the second highest executive office right behind governor. It's a wide open race with no incumbent. And the race among the three Democrats may be the primary's most competitive contest. There are two Republican candidates, and if you're voting in that primary, I'd refer you to the voters' pamphlet for a comparison. We will have the winner of each of the party's primaries here on Straight Talk in the fall. The candidates in the Democratic primary are State Senator Mark Hass, State Senator Shamia Fagan, and former congressional candidate Jamie McLeod Skinner. In this episode, we meet Senators Hass and Fagan. McLeod Skinner will be our guest next week. My first guest is Shamia Fagan. She's a civil rights attorney and has served in public office for 10 years, elected first to the David Douglas School Board. Fagan then served two terms in the Oregon House representing Clackamas. After taking two years off, she won the race for Senate against the incumbent in 2018. Born and raised in Eastern Oregon, her mother struggled with heroin addiction and homelessness. And Fagan says that has informed many of her positions in the legislature. Welcome to my guest, Secretary of State candidate, State Senator Shamia Fagan. Welcome to Straight Talk, Senator. Nice to have you here. It's nice to be here virtually, Laurel. It's great to see you. Well, let's start with the pandemic and our leadership. How would you grade how the governor has handled the crisis so far? And since Secretary of State is next in line to the governor, would you do anything differently if you were governor? Well, I think that Oregonians really deserve so much credit here. Uh, you know, we were one of the first states to really shut down and shut down in earnest to stay home and stay safe. You see states like New York and others that are just having people's lives devastated by sickness and disease. And I really am grateful to leadership in Oregon and to Oregonians who have, who have you know, stayed home and stayed safe. I'm a mom of two young kids, so it's, it's obviously different running for Secretary of State literally from my bedroom with my dog asleep. He would not move before this interview. He did not care that he was going to be on straight talk. And, and obviously, you know, my kids are out of school now and having to homeschool and, and manage that. A lot of parents across this state are doing that. And so I think that I think that Oregon, you know, one thing that we're going to need to do as Secretary of State, one of my first roles would be to be the state auditor. And we need to look at what we could do differently. This is an unprecedented challenge. We are in uncharted waters here. No, no governor alive has ever had to manage a crisis of this magnitude. And I think that Governor Brown has done an admirable job of listening to the experts and listening to the science and also listening to Oregonians. Things like putting a statewide moratorium on evictions. This is not a time as somebody who, you know, struggled with housing security my, my life, my whole life as a kid. It's not a time for any Oregonians to be worried about being out on the streets with their families and being kicked out because of no fault of their own. They don't have a job mm -hmm. and they were, you know, going along just fine, doing their job, getting promotions and then suddenly, you know, massive layoffs. And so this is a challenge unlike anything we faced here in Oregon and nationally and really the world. And I think that we have a lot to learn. And I, as secretary of state, I could do an emergency preparedness audit and look at everything across the board from the unemployment system also to the um, to the way that we were able to do our democracy well, you, and our let, voting let jump in here. across you, first businesses. Yeah. You, you mentioned the audit, which is an important role of Secretary of State. Uh, how can you convince voters that you'd be willing to do an audit, even if it means going against the governor of your own party? Well, the Secretary of State is independently elected in Oregon. 
And so it's not somebody appointed by the governor as some agency heads are. This is a constitutionally directed office for Oregonian for, by, by from the founding of our state as a uh, in our constitution. And independence is something that has marked my my hallmark in the legislature. In fact, I got it. I was one of the first newspaper endorsements to come down in this race was the Ben Bulletin. And they endorsed me over my other Democratic colleagues because said I have a record of being straight with Oregonians when things aren't going as they should. I mean, you mentioned in your opening that I'm in the Senate because I actually ran against an incumbent Democrat. And I have also showed independence from my own party as a senator. Um, and so there, you know, independence and leadership is really what this job is about. And I'm the person with the track record to have shown that even when it's not standing up to my own party. There are a lot of important roles for Secretary of State, but one of the most important is really the, the voting and elections to make sure they're safe and secure. And you agree with a lot of things that your opponents support when it comes to fair and open elections, like increasing voter turnout, same day registration, tightening election security. But one thing you might differ on with uh, Mark Hass is he supports allowing non-affiliated voters to vote in primaries. And there are about a million of those voters. Where do you stand on that? Senator Hass and I have both expressed support for allowing unaffiliated voters. And that's really comes from my values as a Democrat. And obviously what, what folks should understand is the first amendment to the US Constitution, the free association clause is what allows parties themselves to decide who their membership is gonna be when they nominate who's gonna lead their party. And that's an important thing to remember. So the secretary of state or the legislature can't force any party to open but you know me as, as a democrat one of my foundational principles and values is open and accessible voting and as a party i think that we should be always looking for ways to to demonstrate that i've not been a fan of caucuses that uh, that other democratic parties have done across the country because it's not accessible to people but the most important thing that we can do as secretary of state even if parties won't open their primaries is to push for same-day voter registration so if somebody gets their ballot in the mail which is happening right now as we speak and they realize the candidate they just saw on TV or on this interview and they want to vote for isn't on their ballot, they should still be able to go and have that time to change and join the party if the parties keep their primaries closed. Um, that's not able to happen right now in Oregon. The voter registration deadline has already passed. We should change that with same-day voter registration. So just to be clear, you do agree with Senator House that the primary should be open to the non-affiliated voters, that I have that right, correct? That's right. Okay, let's talk about redistricting. After the 2020 census, Oregon lawmakers are going to be tasked with redistricting to, to account for the population increase. They'll have to redraw, redraw congressional and legislative boundaries. Some people feel that could lead to gerrymandering and there are a number of people who wanna move that out of the hands of lawmakers into an independent uh, task force or commission. Would you support a move like that? No, when it's not broke, don't fix it. I mean, Oregonians have a really robust protection in place for redistricting. Number one, it is against Oregon law in chapter, uh, the ORS chapter 188 lays out very specifically, you can't draw legislative districts to benefit a political party. You can't draw legislative districts to benefit incumbents or any particular person. And any map drawn by the legislature or a secretary of state that violates those any eligible Oregon voter can challenge that and it goes right to the Oregon Supreme Court who reviews that to make sure that it doesn't break Oregon law. So we have really robust protections. And the reality is the what's, what's happening right now is working for Oregonians. Back in 2011, the Oregon legislature came together in a bipartisan fashion, something that Oregonians like to see. 
and they put together maps that have served Oregonians very well over the past 10 years. And so I do think that the Oregon Constitution got it right with the statutory protections that make sure that we don't allow political gerrymandering in this state, regardless of what the U.S., you know, the Supreme Court of the United States has said, we don't allow partisan gerrymandering in the state of Oregon. You've said that you see yourself as an activist secretary of state. What's the number one policy that you would advocate for? And what do you say to people who would say that the secretary of state should stick to the role of secretary of state? There are so many important functions in that office and leave policy making to the governor and lawmakers. Well, I think people are right that the Secretary of State should stick to the Secretary of State's duties. Uh, when, when folks have said that I would be an active Secretary of State, I would be active on the issues affecting democracy. Things like uh, piloting ranked choice voting, I think is a thrilling opportunity to consider. Benton County this year is, is going to do a small pilot for ranked choice voting to see if this is something that could work for Oregonians to make more Oregonians engaged in our process. Excuse me, my, my alarm just went off. Um, so this is something that we need to look at. So I, I will be an active Secretary of State on the issues relating to the Secretary of State's office. To go beyond that would not be appropriate for any Secretary of State. There is other executive offices, the governor, the attorney general, the treasurer, the bully commissioner who have their own purviews. And I would stay in my lane. But in my lane, I would be a fierce defender of democracy, of vote by mail, of making sure that Oregonians investment in public services, that those services are protected. And so that's where I would be active as the secretary of state, but not outside of that role. Oregon is one of the few states that doesn't have limits on campaign contributions. And recently, the Oregon Supreme Court reversed itself and has opened the door for campaign spending limits. Do you support that? And what dollar limit would you put on it? Oh, man, I not only support it, I am thrilled. When that decision came out this week, uh, it's wonderful news. I still want Oregonians to vote this November on the ballot measure on the constitutional amendment that I supported as a state senator that would allow directly and explicitly in the Oregon Constitution to say, yes, we can allow campaign contribution limits. What happened this week is a Supreme the Supreme Court ruled that overrule the previous ruling of the Oregon Supreme Court saying, yes, we can have limits. We don't want in the future another Oregon Supreme Court to overrule what happened this week. So I do want Oregonians to support putting that amendment in the Constitution that explicitly says, yes, we can put limits on campaign contributions. What limit would Oregon. you say? You what? know, the limits. Yeah, the limits need to be not so high that they're they're still really big money, but not so low that we essentially so choke the ability of candidates to raise money on the front end that we open the floodgates for independent expenditures on the back end. And so we need to be able to have make sure that candidates can have a direct conversation with voters. I've heard some folks talk about using the federal limit so it's not as confusing, which is in kind of the $2,500 range. That seems high to me. Um, but obviously I've heard some folks talk about, you know, the couple hundred Senator, dollar limit, Senator, I want to jump in to here. Candidate I want to jump in here because we're running out of time, but I did want to ask you because you're, you're backed by a number of public employee unions have given your campaign tens of thousands of dollars. Do you think they have too much power and influence over who wins this race? Oh, no, this is these are the very people that we're calling heroes. These are the essential workers out there cleaning hotel or hospital rooms and hotel rooms. They're out there being firefighters and educators helping our kids at home. Um, I'm very proud to be endorsed by Oregon's working people. It's the most comprehensive grassroots organization from across this state. And I'm proud to have their support and collective action from people who don't have a lot of money and don't have a lot of power is the kind of thing that we should be encouraging in Oregon, not discouraging. And so I'm thrilled to be the very folks that we're calling heroes and essential workers. I'm thrilled to have their support in this campaign. We have about 30 to 40 seconds left. I want to give you a final message to Oregon voters. 
Well, I really appreciate this is a Democratic primary, so I'm speaking specifically right now to Oregon Democrats. There's a lot of good people in this race. Uh, but the organizations that you have trusted, Planned Parenthood, the Oregon Education Association, the Oregon League of Conservation Voters, they've all endorsed me in this race because I have a track record of being straight with Oregonians, even when things aren't working as they should. And I'm asking for your vote on May 19th. Senator Shamia Fagan, thank you for joining us here on Straight Talk. We appreciate it. Thank you, Laurel. And next up, we meet our second Democratic candidate for Oregon's Secretary of State, State Senator Mark Hass. We're back in two minutes. Welcome back to Straight Talk. I'm Laurel Porter. We continue our conversation with the Democratic candidates in the race for Oregon Secretary of State. My next guest is State Senator Mark Haas. Haas served in the Oregon legislature for nearly two decades, first as a representative from Washington County, then as a state senator where he is serving in his third term currently. Before that, he was a local TV reporter covering state house issues for 15 years. He is currently chair of a Senate Finance and Revenue Committee. He also is the sponsor and author of the Student Success Act, Full Day Kindergarten, and the Oregon Promise, which provided free community college for high school graduates. Welcome to my guest, Oregon State Senator and candidate for Secretary of State, Mark Haas. Senator House, welcome to Straight Talk. Thank you. How are you doing, Laura? I'm, I'm doing great. It's nice to have you here. You know, you and the two other candidates have a lot of similar values on issues about elections and the importance of state audits, which is an, uh, an important role for the Secretary of State. What do you think are the top two things that separate you from the other candidates? Well, there are two uh, big reasons. First is my experience, uh, which I don't think the other candidates are close to, and not just experience like you've been there a long time, but experience in getting big ideas through the state capitol. Some of those you mentioned, uh, the Oregon Promise, uh, last year's Student Success Act, which was the biggest education funding bill in Oregon's history. And uh, getting things through that capital uh, is, uh, doesn't happen by accident. Uh, you have to talk to all people. You have to respect other people's opinions. You have to build coalitions. And uh, that's the same MO I will take as Secretary of State and continuing to work with others and get big things done. I have a pretty ambitious agenda for the first 90 days in office as Secretary of State. So I think that's the biggest differentiator. Um, second is I think I'm the only one that's talking about establishing an office of cybersecurity in the Secretary of State's office. We need to upgrade the technology big time. Everyone knows we're under attack, our election system. And this recent uh, virus uh, situation with people not being able to process their employment claims, their unemployment benefits, through the old rickety computers we have in the employment division, I think is a red flag for everybody. Uh, while we can fix that problem and eventually people will get their claims, imagine if we had a technology crash like that in our election system. And uh, if I'm Secretary of State, I want to make darn sure that doesn't happen on my watch. Senator, the governor and legislature are going to be faced with tough decisions amid the coronavirus crisis, the economic crisis, an expected recession, and a hefty budget shortfall. What role would you see yourself playing as Secretary of State? Well, I'd be right in there. I've been a part of that legislature for 19 years. I'm familiar with everybody. And the Secretary of State would have audits done on preparedness, uh, where we dropped the ball, where we didn't, and how to get, be ready for the next emergency, whether it's another pandemic, an earthquake, uh, a terrorist act. 
Uh, and so the legislature I've seen over the years, some are, are impact players with the legislature, some are not, some are influencing uh, budget decisions, but uh, I would be in the mix, that's, that's for sure. And I would be there proposing solutions like the ones that I have on my 90 day agenda on, on how to uh, move Oregon forward. How would you rate how the governor has handled this crisis so far and, and would you have done every, anything differently? I'm not gonna second guess uh, Governor Brown on this. This is a crisis like we've never seen before in any of our lives. Um, and uh, I, I think she's done a respectable job. I'm proud of her for uh, an early stay at home order. I think that's, uh, that's changed and saved lives. Um, having said that, I think there are some places where state government wasn't quite ready. I don't think we were uh, prepared for uh, having the right supplies. I don't think we uh, had uh, a computer system at the employment division, uh, which was just uh, terrible. And worse than that is that it was supposed to be, uh, we were in the framework of having it upgraded and uh, we're nowhere near having that upgraded. So I think that will be part of the first audit that I order as Secretary of State to make sure that the next time we're better prepared. I think we owe that to the people who have lost their lives in this pandemic. Let's talk about redistricting. Every 10 years, the legislature is tasked with that after this census, and it can become highly political as legislative and congressional boundaries are redrawn. And there's, there's a group of people that would like to see that move to an independent commission. Where do you stand on that? Well, I'm the only candidate who's been through two redistricting sessions, and I've seen the good and bad and the ugly, and you're right about the pressures. They're not just from Democrat Republican, they're from everywhere. And uh, in 2011, I helped write the redistricting plan that the legislature agreed to, and it was a bipartisan plan. But I think uh, the proponents of this measure have something when they say voters are fed up with uh, partisanship, and I agree with them. Um, the one thing that the legislature does, even when it comes together on redistricting, is it tends to trade safe seats. In other words, Republicans, Democrats keep trading safe seats so these seats get a little more blue and a little more red. And in a general election, they're just not competitive. We've seen that uh, everywhere. I mean, 90% of the legislative seats in the general election um, are non-competitive. And I think what this uh, proposal will do is add competition to uh, these races uh, as one of the factors that might be considered as criteria when you redraw new lines. And uh, that makes sense to me. Uh, I'm with voters saying that we're fed up with uh, partisanship. And I think to the extent that this might remove some of that, uh, I agree, Barack Obama has been preaching much the same thing for states that he's working on in the Midwest and the South. And uh, so I support that. The land board isn't something a lot of people think about when they think about Secretary of State, but it is really important. You would be one of only three voices along with the governor and the treasurer, three votes. Last year, a jury awarded 13 rural counties in Oregon over a billion dollars because of mismanagement of timberlands. If you were on the land board, is there anything you would have done differently to try to prevent that issue from becoming so contentious and costly? Well, uh, look at the, uh the gorge, the scenic plan at the uh, gorge, the national scenic plan, uh, it has a delineated management plan. And I like that. And I'm surprised that the land board doesn't have anything like that for all of the, the, the assets that are land parcels in the common school fund. If we had a plan like that, uh, these cases get uh, much easier. And we don't have these herky-jerky decisions like we had on the Elliott Elliot Forest. 
You just have criteria, which is a public process that's fueled by stakeholders and experts and the public. And it says, okay, does this, does this parcel meet, uh, meet this criteria? Yes, 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 no. And uh, then you make your decision based on a North star in a plan like that. Um, the, if it doesn't have those criteria, then you sell it like the land board just did uh, a few months ago when it sold uh, some land over near Bend for uh, a housing development. And uh, we don't have that. And in effect, we have to, uh, the land board creates a, a national gorge management plan for every single parcel of land that comes about. And that just leads to inconsistent decisions and uncertainty. In a letter to supporters, you said that Oregon sure can't afford to have special interests by this election to advance their narrow interests, not ours. Who are the special interests you're talking about, Senator? Well, I think anytime you look at uh, someone uh, where there's one group, a group of uh, people who, who, who put in, you know, thirty, fifty thousand uh, dollars that's a special interest. So, um, a number of uh, public employee unions have endorsed your opponent, Shamia Fagan, in part, it's been reported because that you last year voted on a bill that cut pension benefits for public employees. Do you feel that they're trying to penalize you and do they have too much power in this election? Well, uh, let me uh, let me answer this. Um, there was a tough vote in the last session um, on the on the PERS bill, and uh, it did a couple of things. One of them was to further lengthen the amortization of PERS payments. And uh, we needed to do that. It saves schools money. And uh, also it was essential to passage of the uh, Student Success Act. And I was in charge of getting the votes for that. And I knew that if we didn't have a PERS bill, uh, we wouldn't pass the Student Success Act, which as I mentioned, was the largest education funding bill in Oregon's history. So uh, yes, there was a component of that bill that employees didn't like I went before the uh, public employee unions at their endorsement interviews and their conventions, and I looked them in the eye and I said, here's what I did, and here's why I did. And uh, I think they respected that. They didn't like it, but they respected that. That was a tough vote, um, but it was the right thing to do. Um, it probably would have helped me in this election had I not done that, but I always have uh, tried to do the right thing in the legislature, what's good for Oregon, and what is the right thing to do? Um, and I have no regrets about that vote. It was the right thing to do. And uh, if it cost me the election, I still will have no regrets. Do the unions have, have too much power and influence in the elections? Uh, I'm gonna let uh, people at a higher pay grade uh, decide that. Um, I'm always stood for a campaign finance reform to uh, keep those thirty, fifty thousand dollars $50,000 uh, contributions uh, outlawed. We're kind of the wild west here in Oregon where until we have campaign finance limits, that's still allowed. Uh, fortunately, we have some decisions from the Supreme Court and fortunately we have a November ballot measure where voters can end that once and for all. That November ballot measure is a bill that I was a chief sponsor of, Senate Joint Resolution 18. And I hope that uh, everybody watching will vote to do that and change the constitution so we can set limits once and for all. But why didn't you cap your own spending limits? Jamie McLeod Skinner isn't taking any PAC money. Well, I was, uh, I, I, I proposed doing that six months ago. Uh, unfortunately, you need all of the candidates to get in line to do that. You can't have one not do that. And not all of the candidates did get in line. So um, I, I think um, I've heard Jamie say that, you know, uh, she's not going to take money from the 
fossil fuel industry or whatever. And uh, here's a surprise. I don't think the fossil fuel industry are breaking any of our doors down to contribute to us. A bigger issue is just getting big money out of politics together, wherever it comes from, across the board. And I've been working on that for years, and I think we're right at the cusp of doing that with this November ballot measure. Senator, just about 30 to 40 seconds left to uh, have a final message for voters. Well, I think, uh, uh, you know, my dad told me one time that uh, what you do is more important than what you say. In other words, actions uh, speak louder than words. And what I have done over uh, nearly 20 years in the legislature are big ideas. Uh, the Student Success Act, the Oregon Promise, and uh, I will continue doing that. If you want to see, uh, gauge the performance of someone, how they'll perform in the future, look at how they performed in the past. And I think I have the track record to perform well in the past. And so um, that and my independence, I have the independence to do this job. I have the integrity to do it right. Senator Haas, thank you for joining us on Straight Talk. The third Democratic candidate for Oregon Secretary of State, Jamie McLeod Skinner, will join us here on Straight Talk next week. Thank you for watching and listening. Have a great week. We'll see you next week for Straight Talk.